Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Welcome back to the show. We are honored to have our Woman of the Year joining us here once again, Bonnie Ring. Uh, again, as you know, for some of you that may have listened to her shows before, she's a licensed uh, psychologist, author, Episcopal priest, and also reverend uh, from Half Moon Bay, California. Go to drbonnyring.com. That's her website. And I uh, would love to say hello to you. How are you? I'm good. But I don't like what's going on in the world today. I know. And we're going to get to that for sure. I'm so sorry. Please, uh, let's talk a little bit about what's happening. I know that's what your main focus for the show today. What a shame. Well, I I want to preface it by saying I've been to Israel three times in my life. Okay. And, 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 And each one was a very important experience. The first time I was 21 and I lived with Theo Bikel's parents for a month and traveled all over the country. And it was a it was an extraordinary experience of seeing such blatant discrimination. As much as the Jewish community is proud of Israel, they can't be proud of the way they have treated Palestinians. And they are suffering the consequences of that 50 years later. Um, The second and third time I went, I was a first time I was a participant in a course called the Palestine of Jesus offered by St. George's College, which is the Anglican Continuing Education Center in Jerusalem. And then the following summer, they invited me to be a retreat leader and lead a program called Pilgrimage and Spirituality. And I think the reason why, there are two reasons why I want to talk about this today. One is when 9-11 happened, we were inundated with visual pictures over and over and over again, so that even though you weren't in New York, you felt it to the core of your being. And I think that's what's happening now between what's going on in Ukraine and now in Israel. We are bombarded with visual images of destruction, maiming, and, har- and hardship. And I think that Israel is even more important because it is the holy land for the three major religions of Judaism, Christianity, and the Muslim faith. So for everyone that's a part of that, those communities, what is happening now is a, of concern. You know, Hamas clearly invaded Israeli territory and destroyed hundreds of people. And Israel rightfully is going to react back and destroy them. But in the process are all the children and adults and grandparents of both communities, Palestinian and Israeli, and American Jews as well. And I just I just want to acknowledge that they are in a painful place, a scary place. And um, and it's going to go on for months unless something unusual happens. Ugh. I can see the expression on your face, Jill. It's that- so sad. Uh, you know, I mean, anytime you hear war and, and destruction, lives being lost and children, you're seeing children being taken away from their parents and teenagers. And I Baby. mean, it's. <sighs> it's horrific. It's yeah. really horrific. And I think. There are a few things that I can suggest. One is own your feelings. 
Yeah. Allow yourself to say, this is horrible. And I'm scared for all those people. And I'm enraged because of the hostility and the bombardment. And the second thing to do is to do something self-soothing. There's a wonderful book by Kirsten Neff called Self-Compassion. And it has a variety of techniques for being kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. One of them is to own how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And another is to do self-soothing, like patting your, your hand as if you were getting comfort from an outsider, but you're giving it to you. And it's a way of acknowledging that in the midst of a crisis like this, we need to take care of ourselves. We need to turn the television off after a while yeah, and not let it take over our existence. I'm sorry to say that I think the people reporting from Israel are phenomenal, Anderson Cooper being the best of the best. But if you too, if you tune into her too long, you're going to suffer. Yeah. And some suffering is legitimate and important, but too much suffering can harm you. And, and suffering comes from trauma, the trauma of hearing about people who are being so badly treated and without concern for their welfare. So I, I wanted to bring that up. I love the fact that the Holy Land is a place that is important to all but the Buddhist and the Confucian um, religious, and that it is, it has always maintained the sanctity of both the mosques and the churches mm-hmm. and the synagogues and temple grounds. And going to each one has been important. When I went to India, I got to go to a Hindu temple. I got to see their piety. And I think when you see the piety of people of different religion from you, you understand its importance. I got an email from my high school um, um, headmaster or director um, because so many of their current students and their alumni are Jewish. Mm. His name is Jesus Jose Jesus Jose de Jesus. He's obviously not a Jew himself, but his sympathy for the suddenness of this attack on the people that are in school and the people that have graduated. I just was touched that he would reach out to both the students, the families, and the alumni and say, if we can do anything to help, let us know what you need. And that's what you could say to your friends. If you need some help, tell us what you need. Maybe you just need to talk about it. Maybe you need to donate some money. Um, No one else can tell you what you're called to, but allow yourself to give in whatever way feels right for you. And that's for both communities. Both communities are hurting. Both communities have needs. And as Americans, we have a political commitment to Israel. But as human beings, we have a commitment to both peoples. I thought, you know, what happened with Ukraine? Now that's been going on and that was horrific. And now this, it's just like, I never thought this would happen again. I mean. Well, it's very similar dynamics because it's the big guys hitting the little guys. You know, Hamas has apparently acquired a ton of weapons from Iran. How they got them, I don't know how they got through all the blockades, 
but they did. And so when they attacked, it was a surprise and nobody was prepared for it. The same thing happened in Ukraine. Russia, the big guy, decided they wanted Ukraine and they attacked ferociously. And they don't care who or how many they kill. I mean, just this week, it was places where they were all residents. There were no no armies, no military, no nothing. And yet when they want to destroy, they'll destroy. And it does, it does touch your heart and it, it turns your stomach. And I think if you're feeling that way, that it's important to feel that you're validated, that that's, that's a legitimate reaction. You see helplessness and you see determination. That's the other thing about war that's so amazing to me. The resiliency of both the Ukrainian people and the Israeli people. Um, I think the people in Gaza are controlled by a government that they elected 15 years ago and has been a dictatorship ever since, so they've never had another election. So many people there do not support what the government's doing. Israel is a very complicated country, as complicated as the United States is right now. I mean, we're heading into an election where there's enormous ill will on both sides, and we're going to have not just two parties, but at least one independent, if not two, no, two independents. Um, so the Republican and the Democratic vote will be divided by Robert Kennedy and um, the Black author, I can't think of his name at the moment, um, as well as the Republican and Democratic candidates. So this is a tough time to be alive. I think that's what I really want to say. It's a tough time to be alive. And allow yourself to be comforted. Allow yourself to be supported. And I'm willing to talk about anything else as well. Um, I think in my family, um, there are there are non-practicing Jews and there are practicing Jews. And um, I've thought of them all this week because their allegiance is to Israel. Some of them. Some of them couldn't care less. And, you know, it doesn't matter which which side you're on or um, how you approach these multinational countries and these multinational conflicts, they're very, they're very disturbing. Um, you can't turn on the news and hear good news. It's rare. And I'm, I'm, I'm more for keeping the news restricted. Listen, listen once, maybe listen twice, but over and over and over again, let's not do what we did in 9-11 repeating over and over again the bombardment and the destruction of lives and buildings and planes. And we, you know, it, it triggers those memories. And that's, that's, I think that's something I wanted to say also. Trauma is something that stays in your body forever. You can work through the feelings of the initial incident but the next time a trauma comes, you remember the first one and you deal with the second one at the same time. And the third one, you deal with the third one, the second one, and the first one. And so you never feel completely finished, whether it was childhood abuse or physical abuse um, or sexual abuse. Uh, all of those things leave scars, you know. One of my favorite therapists wrote a book called Resurrection Psychology. And one of the things he said about Jesus was he was identified by his scars. 
That's how Thomas knew he was who he was. We are known by our scars as well, whether we reveal them to others or we keep them secret. They are part of who we are and paying attention to them is really important. Recovering from those events is really important. And that's where therapy is is, is greatest contribution. I, I dealt in the 80s with hundreds of women who suddenly remembered being abused as a child. And there was all kind of talk about this was fake, wasn't fake. Those memories were real. But what the body does is it anesthetizes itself. It absents itself from the scene often. A child can move to the ceiling or to the walls and watch what's happening to them as if they're split off from it so that they don't feel it. And then all of a sudden, often watching their own children, they suddenly experience memories. Today, we have much more active involvement of spousal abuse, physical, sexual, mental abuse. And, and so it's less likely that people are remembering something that they have forgotten, but actually reliving it in, in, in the new trauma that comes in, into their lives. And therapy is a way, especially there's a wonderful technique with a terrible name. It's called EMDR, which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. Those refer to the technology of it. They, when it was first discovered years ago by Francine Chaparro, um, she learned that if you move your eyes back and forth, it affects your brain and it can open it up to memories that you might not have. And then it's important that when you have those memories, you also remember supportive people to give you comfort and security and safety so that you can remember them without being horrified. And you have a chance to rework it and see that you survived and that you more than survived. You grew as a result of it. You became who you are now, in part because of what you have experienced. And so it, it's too bad that we haven't come up with a name that's a little bit more attractive or, uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's such a clear description of the process. We, we don't, we, we don't use a, um, finger that goes back and forth. We now tend, tends to use, um, uh, instruments like hearing, uh, tapes, tapes that go ding, 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 and padding. Um, and there's a, there's a wonderful book by Laurel Parnell called, um, tapping. And it's where you can do it for yourself. You tap yes. your right and your left and your right and your left. I'm doing the opposite. Right, left, right, left until you calm down. And, uh, they can do that anytime. Yeah. It it's, can be so not obvious. If you pat your knees, nobody sees it. They don't know what you're doing. Sure. They don't know why you're doing it. But you're doing something to calm you down. You're doing something to bring yourself into the present and take yourself away from something that was a horrible experience. Mm. So I've actually talked about the importance of dealing with trauma um, as well as the impact of the war because war is trauma. Mm -hmm. There's no, nothing... No other term describes what goes on inside the human psyche, but processing trauma. And, you know, it can, it can happen 
vicariously. Um, I I never understand people that go to horror movies. I have clients that like horror movies. <laughs> I don't go to car- horror movies. Why don't I go to horror movies? Because they get me upset. Yeah. They're horrific, terrible things happen to people and things. And I think for me, I don't need to be reminded of that. Uh, do you like horror movies? No. Uh, I don't. No. Uh, guys tend to be more able to tolerate it, but then they can tolerate the physicality of football too. True. You're right. And we're finally discovering that the physicality of football has life changing consequences of the brain. My son is eight and it's his first year on tackle. He's been doing flag. So talk about alarming. And what kind of helmet does he have? The one that the school provides. I don't know what type of helmet. Well, that might be something you want to investigate, Jill. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, I think we're, I mean, I know a lot of people love football. Uh, it's a challenging sport and it's uh, competitive and people like to see winners and losers. Um, but I worry about the people on the field. I think it's miraculous that that football player who whose heart stopped got his heart re- reworking and he's back on the field again. That scares me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure his doctors have assured him that what happened to him is not likely to happen again. Um, and it, it's his choice. <laughs> um, I think I think you can get pretty riled by football, uh, more so than probably any other sport except maybe soccer because of the brutality mm-hmm. and um i i would i i do not envy you jill having an eight-year-old playing tackle i think it would make me scared yeah i had a stepson once that played fantasy football now that i could support he would call the plays and he would move his body and he would catch the ball and he would toss it but nobody got hurt. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to urge you to watch and check in yeah. and see how your son feels about being tackled. Yes. And he might not tell you if you don't ask him. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> I think you probably needed to talk about it and you didn't even know it. See? And that's your job. It just It's your that's innate ability, who you are. <laughs> you that get things true. out of people that, yeah, they're thinking about their... Uh, Good, bad, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true. I, I think therapy is the greatest gift you can give yourself. And one of the favorite things I did, but we haven't ever talked about, is I spent a year as the first psychologist on the air, on radio, in San Francisco in 1980. It was 43 years ago. Yeah, It was the most amazing year I've ever spent. I was on from nine o'clock in the morning till 12 Mm o'clock, three hours fielding calls. Each day we had a question for the listening audience. And it got so that not only did they answer the question for themselves, but often they called in to respond to somebody else who had answered with advice for them. And it became a real community. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I couldn't go to a restaurant in San Francisco without somebody saying, are you the Dr. Bonnie Ring that's on the radio? Yeah. In fact, the first time I worked at a church as a deacon, I got that answer. I got that question in the, in the altar, from the altar guild my first day. Are you the Dr. Bonnie Ring I used to listen Aww. to? <laughs> and it was already 11, 12 years later. Um, when I when I say that I think therapy is the greatest gift you can give yourself, it's the way to learn how who you are, and it's the way to find out what matters to you. And it allows you to address your hurts and your anxieties and whatever peculiar symptoms you may have been born with that you don't understand. Because uh, some conditions are physical. Yeah. Um, you Just as you wake up, as a newborn with cerebral palsy, you can make up as a newborn with osis uh-huh. and yeah. uh, schizophrenia and real, you know, serious mental health issues. Hmm. Um, but you know, the average person, twenty percent, twenty twenty to twenty five percent of the average human being mm-hmm. seeks therapy at some point in their lives because something is bothering them and about their relationships or their work experience, or their own emotionality. And therapists can listen, ask good questions. Um, I was talking with somebody yesterday, um, actually it was Friday, who has just taken on a new job, and he couldn't understand why he was crying. Mm. I let him just get into his feelings, feel the, feel the tears. Mm-hmm. And I said, as much as you wanted to get out of this job that you have, Aren't you also sad that it didn't work out and that you're leaving it and you're leaving the people that you mm-hmm. cared for in that job? And he said, oh, Bonnie, thank you. I didn't know why I was feeling that way. It just came off all of a sudden. But And then he was able to talk about the job that he was leaving, why he was leaving it, mm-hmm. what he, why, why he needed to go um, because it wasn't, it wasn't fulfilling. And it was, uh, it was um, full, full of conflict, and yeah. backbiting, and he didn't want to live in a, that kind of a world. So, um, we're almost at the end of the half hour, but I, I think that I've had a chance to talk about a variety of things that are important in my life. My spirituality being one of them, my yeah. attachment to the Holy Land as a result, and my experiences there. Um, my work as a psychologist on the air and and my work as a psychologist today, uh, listening to people talk about their concerns and their problems. Mm, beautiful. Well, thank you. Our woman of the year, Bonnie Ring. Remind us how we can reach out to you, please. You can reach me at 650-560-8590. That's area code 650. And you can reach me by email at Dr. as in Dr. Bonnie Ring, spelled out in lowercase, okay. at Comcast.net. And you can find my website, drbonnyring.com, and also one Dr. Bonnie Ring's books. That's a new one. And that covers the two books I've written, um, Women Who Knew Jesus, and a children's book on Mary Magdalene, A Disciple and Friend of Jesus. See you all next week. Thank you so much, Dr. Bonnie Ring. Have a great day. Thank you so much. And prayers to everyone uh, in the world right now. Thank you. 
Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Adopt US Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she, she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve. Is now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit adoptuskids.org. A public service announcement from the US Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids and the Ad Council.